You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. It's another week almost in the books. We will close Week 12 with the Seattle Seahawks traveling to the other Washington and taking on the football team here. So still some fantasy matchups sure to be decided by this game with a lot of key players in there, including DK Metcalf and Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin. So we'll see how that turns out. But we do have to look back on the games here of Week 12. Usually our Roundup Mondays only look at Sunday's action, but we did have time to get to Thursday's game there for you on Friday as we looked ahead to Week 12. But now they're in the books, we can go back and look at those as well. The reactions, takeaways you need to know there from those games. And we'll take you all the way through what we learned on Sunday Night Football when the Browns and Ravens played a clunker for fantasy football. So a lot of uh, good, bad, disappointing, surprising all across the board there. And we want to get into it on the show. Before we do that, I got to tell you, thanks for making Locked on Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. It's Thanksgiving, post-Thanksgiving. We're very thankful that you're here with us here to uh, continue to break things down here for the fantasy football season. Let's uh, quickly get back in time to those Thursday games. We had the Bears and Lions. A quick takeaway from the Bears. Uh, David Montgomery definitely was disappointing, but Darnell Mooney keeps getting it done. Everything else is questionable here. Allen Robinson on the shelf again with a hamstring injury. Marquise Goodwin hit or miss here as a secondary playmaker. Cole Komet has uh, been very used and not used in the offense, but Darnell Mooney, it doesn't matter if it's Justin Fields or Andy Dalton. We figured Justin Fields was a good chance to return here after the mini-buy, here having missed Week 12 against the Lions. But uh, Dalton got the ball to Mooney. We had Fields get the ball to Mooney. But Mooney right now is trending towards a wide receiver 2 with a major upside. And he could be a wide receiver 1 next year should Robinson leave in free agency as expected. So Mooney's a takeaway. He's the only bear that you can rely upon every week to come through, and that includes their defense. They did play well in this game, but the Lions' defense could have been just as effective. The other thing we're going to have to watch here on the other side of things is DeAndre Swift. He got hurt in this game, so that was a blow. He was getting the heavy workload. Maybe they worked him too much here because I don't think he's a 30-touch per game back. I think he's too small for that. And the Lions were trying to pound him into the ground the past three weeks, and I know Dan Campbell's uh, tried to manage Swift's load here, but... They've been a little bit too much uh, coming off a major carry game, turning around in a short week. Teams have to be a little bit wary of that. So maybe Swift with a mini-buy will be okay here for the Lions. But yeah, let's just hope. I mean, he's a special talent. We don't want him to run him into the ground and not be available and healthy for next year either when this Lions uh, team should certainly prove all-around offensively to help Swift be a bigger factor. TJ Hawkinson getting it done with a touchdown here, so... It's been quiet for Hawkinson. It's been hard to trust him, but look, he's their best receiving option still. They had Josh Reynolds. We'll see about him having a bigger role here. does have the 
history and chemistry with Jared Goff. That's why they picked him up from the Titans scrap heap. I bet the Titans could use him right about now with their wide receiver mess. But I wouldn't go chase Reynolds just like I wouldn't have chased Imam Ross, St. Brown, or Khalif Raymond, or Quinta Cephas before he got hurt or in the season. Still looking at Swift and Hawkinson. Only Swift and Hawkinson. May not be Swift here if... Uh, He's hurt, and you might see a lot more Jamal Williams and Jamar Jefferson. So something we'll monitor here going into Week 13. All right, let's uh, switch to the Raiders-Cowboys game. We know the Cowboys were going to be pretty shorthanded, so we'll talk about them really quick. They didn't have CeeDee Lamb with the concussion. He wasn't clear to Mark Cooper on the COVID-19 list. So as expected, both Cedric Wilson and Michael Gallup came through pretty well. Donald Schultz also looked pretty good in the game. So at least those developments were right in the passing game for the Cowboys, but Really, everything else, a little bit uh, of a grind here. They did score on special teams. Tony Pollard finds his way in the end zone there. Speaking of Pollard, I know Ezekiel Elliott also scored, but the Cowboys saw his knee kind of being affecting him again. He wasn't the same guy to ground and pound the Raiders away. So that's what they're concerned about, is they can't lean on Elliott and the power running as much, and they have to rely more on Dak Prescott. This matchup against the Raiders called for a lot of effective running from Elliott and Pollard, but I don't think Elliott was up to the task really Pollard looked a lot more viable and with a lot more juice here so maybe Elliot needs a rest can they convince him to sit it's not a short week or long week in any ways it's a regular week because they're playing again this Thursday against the Saints and the Saints have a pretty tough run defense so I think this is going to be a game where the Cowboys need to throw more I think they'd be fine if they had to go with Tony Pollard in a bigger role there, for people that have Elliott Pollard, I think you'd prefer that, where you have one back that's healthy, you know is going to touch the ball quite a bit. So let's see if they follow through on that, but something to watch there. With the Raiders side of things, I mean, Josh Jacobs, it was good to get him going here for them, but uh, yeah, this passing game, hard to trust with other guys in there, with uh, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller at this point, so that's been disappointing. Derek Carr still doesn't play all that well here, but Jacobs at least had the get-well game there, so we'll see how he fares, tougher matchup. This week coming against the Washington football team. Finally on Thanksgiving, we had the Bills and Saints. This was pretty much all Bills. The Saints were a little bit lost. No Mark Ingram. No Alvin Kamara. So their running game was rather depleted. Their two offensive tackles were out. Teron Armstead at left side. And Ryan Ramzik once again. So they didn't have their offensive line tack. They also didn't have Andres Pete, who's been on IR. So bad offensive line situation. That's part of why the Saints feel comfortable about their offense. Questionable receiving situation there. We know that continued to be that way. They already lost Adam Troutman. Don't have Michael Thomas returning. So nothing to see there with the Saints. Hopefully Kamara can return here. He missed another game. Gets a full week. But wish they were playing on Sunday. Let's just say that. That would give Kamara a few more days to get ready in Ingram in this one. But uh, the Cowboys we know are pretty vulnerable now against uh, running backs. If Josh Jacobs can have a big game, then Kamara could rebound in that game. And Ingram is certainly worth looking at his RB2 in that should he return. Now for the Bills, we've said this all along. They have to kind of streamline their passing game, short to intermediate routes, more on the intermediate side, but Dawson Knox continues to come through. Two scores for him in the game against the Saints. Uh, Stefan Diggs looked good again for a third straight week here scoring. So back to basics when you struggle. The Bills are not a great running team. They can't force the ball downfield with teams protecting against the big play. Cole Beasley's beat up. That all adds up to Knox and Diggs continuing to come through big time. And that's what we saw with Josh Allen. So he doesn't need a lot to put up the numbers, but those two guys being big time for him are pretty huge here in Buffalo going forward. They do get New England this week, so a lot tougher for those guys that are not Knox and Diggs. Knox could run into a tough tight end matchup this week. Diggs will probably see a lot of J.C. Jackson, so... 
These are the guys that are going to have to grind it out. And uh, again, it's really hard to trust Josh Allen in a matchup like that this week against New England. All right, let's flip to Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We can go over the Bengals-Steelers game pretty quickly here. It was all Bengals. They ran out of the gate with Joe Mixon. And Joe Mixon, you've got to love what he's doing this season. They're giving him high volume. He's staying healthy. They're playing off the passing game, the dangers there of Jamar Chase. A lot of open holes here. This offensive line has played really well for the Bengals all season long, really. They've been much maligned, but this year they've come together pretty nicely. So Joe Mixon, it's the show. We're not even seeing hints of Samaj P. Ryan and Chris Evans other than a little bit of a blow for Joe Mixon. So it's pretty nice here. I mean, we've been waiting for this. We know Mixon has this kind of talent. I think having like a legitimate passing game to open things up downfield really helps it. Keeps the safety out of the box here. They're really scared of Chase in the big plays. And the Bengals are realizing that now that Chase is established. And that's why Mixon is rolling here. And we know this time of year, November, December, in the AFC North, black and blue, the wind and all that, can be very difficult to pass the ball downfield. So you need to have a running game. Joe Mixon really coming through here for the Bengals. And I think he'll keep it up here going forward. They do get the Chargers this week, so very weak run defense, and you figure Mixon will have a big role again this week and keep hot here in the offense. T. Higgins also taking advantage of the attention of Jamar Chase. The people just don't want to be burned by Chase downfield. They were tired of it, so Higgins, very good outside receiver in his own right as a player from Clemson. He's feeling it as well with Joe Burrow, so again, Higgins with another big game. Mixon there. Higgins should be in your lineup every week as a wide receiver 2-3 borderline. Joe Mixon crushing it as an RB1. It's hurting a little bit the value of Joe Burrow as they go and run and uh, chase and burrow. That uh, combination that was red hot early in the season has kind of cooled off. But Bengals becoming a more complete team, not necessarily great for Burrow uh, throwing some garbage numbers, but he's still very solid in the running game. The attention there, eventually people are going to have to focus on mixing. That'll open things up again for Chase and uh, Higgins. And maybe this week against the Chargers, that comes as they really need to sell out to stop the run or get just destroyed by the Bengals. All right, for the Steelers side of things, Ben Roethlisberger really struggled. He threw a pick six in this game. They could never get the offense rolling. Najee Harris was a big disappointment, but the Steelers' defense, they're supposed to play complementary football. That means play really solid on defense, stop the run, stop the big plays in the passing game. When that doesn't happen, Najee Harris is in a really bad spot because they're going to have to throw quite a bit, but that also has helped now at the same time the value of Pat Freermuth. If they had to throw more in the red zone, the other rookie, the one from Penn State versus the running back. So Freermuth continues to get the job done. Eric Ebron has been shut down for a little bit here, so he's the man at tight end. They don't have Juju. We've said this development has been really good for Freermuth. He gets a touchdown here in garbage time, and still he had decent yardage numbers and a really bad game for Big Ben for Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. So something to be there, but if the Steelers are going to get run over and play really poor defense, it's going to hurt from giving them enough touches to Najee Harris. And you can only do so much in the passing game when Freermuth has emerged as another short option there with Johnson and Claypool. Let's go to Indianapolis, uh, Tampa Bay. And the Colts play a shootout here. You go back and forth. Good game for the Colts, but it was a throwback game for the Colts. Carson Wentz did have a few turnovers here. You did have... Uh, some success from Jonathan Taylor. It looked pretty ugly early where the Bucks were shutting him down. But then the Colts said, hey, let's run to get back in this game against a worn-down defense. So they get going with Taylor eventually. He doesn't break that 100-yard barrier but finds the end zone here. 
pretty good scrimmage day considering the tough matchup here for Jonathan Taylor and limited usage in the second half. But it was a throwback day for this Colts offense. T.Y. Hilton looked pretty good. Jack Doyle looked pretty good. So we're all about Mo Ali Cox and uh, Michael Pittman Jr. But these two guys coming in healthy looking good here being trusted. So that's really frustrating with Carson Wentz. They were spreading the ball around to everyone. They had Ashton Doolin catch a long touchdown pass as well. So when they involve Pitt, other guys than uh, Pittman with Hilton and Doolin and Doyle's in there, tight end, and muck it up even more for Mo Alley Cox, it's really hard to trust any of the receivers here. But Pittman is the guy you still feel good about. But, man, it's it's tough now that Pittman is drawing attention and these veterans are really taking advantage of that in other parts of the field for the Colts. And, uh, again, Doyle might have more value than you think. I think they're starting to develop a good chemistry between Wentz and Doyle. Hilton, again, I, would I chase his number? Would I go up and say, okay, he's going to be on the par with the way they target Pittman? No, I'm not going to go there. But Doyle certainly has appeal the way he kind of uh, was schemed up in this game rather well. So we'll see if uh, Frank Reich wants to use him a little bit more. But I would trust Doyle being more of a mainstay in this offense than Hilton going forward because – Again, the run-based offense, play to the tight ends. Doyle's a pretty good blocker. That's going to help Carson Wentz here more than the downfield pass. But interesting, again, that Doolin is now a deep threat that they're looking at more. In Indianapolis, a uh, long touchdown there. So a good fantasy game for Carson Wentz, but unfortunately the Pittman stack did not work out with him. Let's look at uh, the other side of things. Leonard Fournette, what can you say? I mean, they were just scoring rushing touchdowns at will. And this is not great for Tom Brady. Because Tom Brady is a touchdown pass dependent quarterback. It's strange to say that. And he's come through in most games. He's up to 30 touchdowns, which is a very solid number here through uh, 12 games. But, yeah, they're starting to score a little bit more on the ground. Again, time of year has changed a little bit more. I know it was a dome game, so the weather wasn't an element. But, man, Leonard Fournette is just looking good. This is kind of the way he should have been used for the Jaguars. And he's shown he's a very great receiver here that can bowl people over, catch the ball in a short area. They've used him more as Antonio Brown's been out of the lineup. The connection with Scotty Miller still a little bit off downfield for Tom Brady. So a lot of those underneath throws. It wasn't a great day for Mike Evans or Chris Godwin here, so unfortunately. It was just a little passes to Fournette, a lot of Gronkowski. So the big dudes that are intimidating physically uh, forces here, Gronk and Fournette, were really the way that uh, the Bucks moved the ball enough to beat the Colts. So Gronk is here to stay. Two nice, very nice games in his return with the back spasms there. He's locked in with Brady. He's getting more run. Fournette is as well without Brown. We'll see Brown returns to change things, but that, that's what you're afraid of here underneath passing. I mean, it was a tough matchup. The Colts were pretty good against the run, but it was all about the red zone and the opportunity short that the Bucks had. They also have a, had a couple of like pass interference plays that set up some shot t- touchdowns instead of uh, passes from Brady. Brady did end up with one score, but again, you're hoping for a lot more in this game. And again, yeah, but the Bucks are dangerous, and Fournette should be in the lineup every week now as an RB1, even with Ronald Jones scoring for the second straight week. So that says something. Leonard is the playoff version of himself, and they're going to ride him here in the last couple months of the season. Finally, the last uh, game we'll break down here in this first segment for you is uh, Carolina and uh, the Dolphins. This game was in Miami. What a terrible performance by Cam Newton. He did get a, a rushing touchdown early, but he stole it from Christian McCaffrey, which turned out to be pretty bad because McCaffrey rolled his ankle later and had to leave after only 10 carries for 35 yards. No catches, no end zone ability for CMC. So Cam just dragged down the entire offense. He had one big play from DJ Moore, really accounted for most of what the 
Panthers were doing offensively. They're early set up the touchdown, but it was just ugly other than that. Again, no McCaffrey really hurt here for the most part to being healthy, so we'll see. They do get a bye, so they can be careful with him. Let's hope he can return here coming up. But uh, DJ Moore, this entire offense gets dragged down when Cam Newton's that bad. They bench Cam Newton. P.J. Walker was put in a tough spot. Not much to produce there. So a lot of things they have to assess here during the bye week to uh, figure out what they need to do better in Carolina and what they need to do at quarterback. But, you know, ugly performance all around. The defense is also falling apart. Not a very good asset anymore either. Jalen Waddle's starting to feel it for the Dolphins. Tua Tagovailoa keeps playing a little bit better every week. That's what you're hoping for as he gets healthier. The finger wasn't an issue at all this week. So look really pretty good dealing the ball to Jalen Waddle here. So Waddle looked like a clear wide receiver one. This is the guy they drafted. Complete receiver, speed, quickness, get, get open all the field. A Tyreek Hill type here, a weapon, and they're treating him that way finally. And a part of it was just not having another good wide receiver option. And without Devontae Parker, without Will Fuller, everything is lined up here for Waddle to smash in, and he's getting it done here. As a runner at times, we saw him score that way. Short uh, touchdown maker, but also big field stretcher as well. So Waddle coming into his own and having a lot of appeal. And we'll see who's more appealing next year. Is it Jalen Waddle or is it his former teammate uh, Devonta Smith of Alabama? Even the offenses right now, the quarterback situation, Waddle feeling it more with Tagovola than we see Smith hooking up with his uh, former quarterback there, Jalen Hurts, in Philadelphia. The other thing is Miles Gaskin. We thought Philip Lindsay's addition here by the Dolphins. Lindsay dumped by the Texans. He was going to alter this backfield a little bit and uh, go in that direction here with uh, not a lot of Salvan Ahmed, but you know, Gaskin the last two weeks scored there the previous week. He gets a couple scores this week, so Gaskin coming on strong again right when you thought that they would fade him a little bit more in this offense. So nice little development there if you've got Miles Gaskin. We still need to break down eight more games there from Sunday, and we'll do that in our final two segments. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. You've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever. Again, the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, we'll get into uh, the next wave of games here from Sunday's action in a moment. But thanks again for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We're free and available to you again on all platforms. Let's go to this Titans-Patriots game. Weird developments in this one. It was all about the Titans running game and the Patriots passing game. So they played to the strengths of their team and the weaknesses of the opponent. So Patriots, you really can't pass on them well. So what did you get? Note Adrian Peterson. He's gone from the team. Yeah, Jeremy McNichols missed another game with a concussion. It's the Dontrell Hilliard and Donta Foreman show. Say that fast. Dontrell and Donta show here for the Titans, both of them go over 100 yards. They just relentlessly ran the ball on the Patriots. And why would, wouldn't you? Ryan Tannehill struggling. His only good wide receiver that's viable for anything is Nick Westbrook-Akine. He did score a touchdown here in the red zone, so that was good for Westbrook-Akine, taking advantage of the injuries there and the depletion of the Titans' wide receiver core. But what they did was just pivot to these two guys. They were 
kind of looking at what they had between McNichols and Peterson and Foreman and then Hilliard in the mix. How are they going to work these guys in? But I think they have a good combination here where Hilliard is kind of a change of pace, speedy back. We saw him in a home run with a long run. Foreman is kind of the power back who uh, has a little bit of versatility. So between these two guys, I think they found their groove as a committee here for the Patriots now, or in this Patriots game. But Titans are trusting these backs week to week is going to be difficult, but they definitely want to run the ball quite a bit. They're going to rely a lot more on the backs, kind of like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt here. Because, look, you don't have a lot in the passing game. Tannehill, the wide receiver's down. A.J. Brown is also an IR with Julio Jones. you got to get creative and try to win games. And the Titans did their best, but they couldn't find anything in the passing game against this tough defense with J.C. Jackson and another interception here. The pass rush, Matthew Judon, some of the players up front. Really tough on the Titans here. But, yeah, Hilliard Foreman, they should continue to get key touches together as the preferred replacement RVs by committee for Derrick Henry. Now, on the other side of things, Kendrick Bourne, we said he was teetering as a borderline wide receiver three. Well, when you have a big game like that, scoring two touchdowns, you're firmly in that conversation. A lot of attention was on Jacoby Myers, who nearly had 100 yards receiving in this game to lead the team. Really, Bourne and Myers are doing a little bit more. We thought it was the Hunter Henry show pretty much, but Bourne has really become reliable. Should be in lineups more weeks than not. This was a terrific matchup. He took full advantage of it. So did Myers. So, what we like about the Patriots is they're going to look at the same things by the numbers we do and the matchups that pop up on film. We knew Bourne had a good chance here to do something as a wide receiver three, as well as Myers. They come through here nicely, and Hillary Foreman is a good development for the other side in Tennessee. All right, let's go to the Eagles-Giants game. Not much to talk about here. Very limited uh, returns here for the Eagles. Jalen Hurts with three interceptions. Did Wasn't helped by Jalen Rieger dropping the ball. Didn't get much out of Dallas Goddard, only one catch for no gain there. Devonta Smith couldn't get involved, so just when you thought this Eagles passing game was settling in, you know they are playing in zone defense. Jalen Hurts really struggled. He did have 77 yards rushing, but the touchdown went to Boston Scott, so Miles Sanders gets hurt again here with an ankle injury, so you already had Jordan Howard down, so no Sanders, no Howard. Kenneth Gainwell used a little bit in the passing game, the rookie there from Memphis, but what we saw here is Boston Scott looks like the guy, once again, on the early downs and getting the key touches should Sanders miss time here. So something developed there. But, yeah, Joe Rieger, they should stop making that work. they got to throw the ball more to Devonta Smith and Goddard. So the Seagulls passing game has been really hard to trust all season. And we knew Hurts could have a game like this where we know he has a pretty high floor because he's running. But if he has the turnovers, it's going to be pretty bad when he's not doing much at all in the passing game. That happened here. So... Well, let's hope they can fix this pass game a little bit because we want Goddard to come through. We want Smith to come through. Stop throwing to Jalen Rieger when he's dropping touchdowns here. Maybe it's just not going to work out with Jalen Rieger as a, as a speedy big play threat for this team. For the Giants, I mean, their defense showed up. That's all we can say. I mean, the offensive numbers were atrocious. I mean, Kenny Galladay led the team, but he did face his former Lions teammate Darius Slay. The Giants, uh, just not a lot of offense there that could generate here with one, uh, Daniel Jones, uh, not much in the running game with Saquon Barkley. The Eagles' defense has played really well, but you thought they were going to put up some numbers here. I thought the Giants would win this game, and they did, but not in the way they did in an extremely low-scoring fashion. So I want to trust more of the Giants, but Kadarius Tony's throwing Shepard missed this game. We thought, okay, Galladay has a chance, Evan Ingram has a chance. The Eagles give up more fantasy points to the Titans than anyone, but no. So much for this offense being more dynamic and finding a spark without Jason Garrett. They looked even worse here with Freddie Kitchens calling the plays here for Daniel Jones. So, yeah, I don't know where you go with the Giants offense. So we tried. We're trying to extract something out of it here. 
and uh, Barkley might be the only thing, and you're hoping for a touchdown there, enough yards from scrimmage, and they didn't happen in this game for the Giants. Let's go to Atlanta and Jacksonville. I mean, Cordell Patterson is really the Falcons guy you can trust most. I mean, another big game, running and receiving here for Cord. He's a man. I mean, this has been the revelation. He's kind of a league winner. I mean, he's missed one game. We know that with the ankle injury last week, but he came back big time. The Jaguars had no answers for him. Unfortunately, uh, we're seeing Kyle Pitts contained a little bit. We saw this week Russell Gage being the more productive Atlanta receiver. So really hard there when you look at it with the Pitts. Very frustrating there. But we know Patterson, he's the guy. I mean, there's just not a time when Patterson's been healthy where he hasn't come through in fantasy this year. Very few players have been like that all season long. And again, Patterson, I think, deserves a shot of having a more regular role next year. Even though he's a bit older, he looks really good doing it. So let's see if they continue. Now the Jaguars, I don't get this. I mean, James Robinson looked good again. Didn't score a touchdown. Didn't lose a fumble this game. I don't understand why they're targeting 11 players here for Trevor Lawrence when they don't have enough. And this included when uh, Dan Arnold was uh, out of the game with a knee injury. You didn't have uh, Jamal Agnew play at all with a hip injury. They're just finding new guys to throw to. Laquan Treadwell, James O'Shaughnessy, Dare Ogunbowale, who dropped an easy ball that went in his hands that probably James Robinson would have not dropped. So... I don't get it. Just a lot of people targeted. And just when you think, okay, things are looking good here for Marvin Jones Jr. and LaVisca Chanel Jr., they have to throw to them, right? No. They get LeCron Treadwell involved. So this is awful with Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer having some influence. We knew this was going to be the case. We know the history of both of these guys going back to Seattle. So really awful here. But I want to trust Jones. I want to trust LaVisca Chanel. But you cannot... Here, like normal teams, I think, would be using these receivers based on the negative game script every week. Have Robinson as your only good offensive asset. You don't have Arnold now. You don't have uh, Agnew. Think, okay, we'll make it work for these guys. You don't have DJ Chart. But it hasn't worked out that way because of the incompetency of the Jaguars there offensively around Trevor Lawrence. And it's really sad to watch every single week. Last teams we'll talk about in this segment, the Jets and the Texans. So let's start with the Jets. And... Speaking of a team that's spreading the ball unnecessarily around, I mean, Zach Wilson returns. They didn't have Corey Davis in this lineup. He missed the game with a growing injury. That was a scratch there that was decided uh, just not to make him go. He was actually downgraded here before the game. So then uh, they had Braxton Berrios leaving the team and receiving. You had Elijah Moore. We were worried about the change back to Zach Wilson at quarterback. Would it affect Elijah Moore? This was a great matchup. He should have done a lot more. He had a few moments of flash, but... But Moore and Wilson was the, were the combination that they kind of talked up in the preseason. Two rookies on the same page. But clearly Wilson's injuries hurt him. He had to score the only rushing touchdown there for himself. And then they did get another touchdown, but it was Austin Walter. So here we go again. Tevin Coleman leading the team in rushing. Ty Johnson limited opportunities without Michael Carter. So really frustrating to see there the way it was spread out. Spread out. Uh, you already have no option there from Carter, the other rookie, Moore being contained in the passing game. I don't get what they're doing involving all these wide receivers and running backs here for the Jets, but it makes almost anything unstartable on this team. I wouldn't go chase Austin Walter because he could easily pivot to Ty Johnson or Tevin Coleman having a bigger role next week as well. So very frustrating, a little bit like the 49ers backfield, but they had some guy working at Carter, but now without him, it's just very messy here. And unfortunately, you can't extract reliable fantasy football value. We know that's the same for the Texans running backs. We thought there was a little bit of clarity here with uh, Mark Ingram gone to the Saints. Then you had uh, Philip Lindsay out of the equation with the Dolphins. So, okay, we're sitting good. Pretty here with David Johnson here 
and Rex Burkhead. And David Johnson gets volume. Burkhead look, gets some volume. But the production just isn't there. I mean, such a grind for anything decent out of this Texans offense. And at least we've got a long touchdown for Brandon Cooks. Otherwise, it's pretty ugly for Terod Taylor there. Their other touchdown went to the young tight end, Brevin Jordan. But, yeah, I don't get it. Cooks has been the only real fantasy football asset from this team all season. And really a shame because I think there's an opportunity to do a lot more running backs here for the Texans. All right, we'll get to the final four games in our last segment here for Roundup Monday, coming out of Week 12, going into Week 13. Don't forget, tomorrow we will look at the waiver wire, pick up Tuesday, and any takeaways that you need to know from the Seahawks-Washington game. It's here, the best Monday of the year, Cyber Monday, and Built.com is a place to aim your mouse. Get at least 20% off everything delicious and healthy. That's 20% off site-wide, and even bigger discounts on Built Boost, Broth, and Built Swag. A brand new Built Bar flavor has landed just in time for Cyber Monday. Caramel Almond Delight, and it delivers everything in promise. Caramelized chocolate, check. Almonds, check. Delightful, double check. And be sure to get yours before they're gone. 150 calories, only 70 grams of protein there for you. And this season, maybe you're craving white chocolate. For a limited time, get a special new Built Bar Puffs flavor. It's white chocolate cheesecake. This yummy protein treat It's filled with a marshmallow center covered in white chocolate. Again, 100, only 40 calories there. And... 140 calories, 17 grams of protein. So you know you're getting a healthy bar with either one here with uh, caramel almond delight or white chocolate cheesecake or any one of the many delicious uh, Built Bar flavors they have. Tis the season to save and give your taste buds the gift of Built Bar. Get to Built.com for these incredible tasting new bars and 20% off everything. Head to Built.com, enter the lock code LOCK20 before it's too late. Against LOCK20 before it's too late to take advantage of this great deal at Built.com for Built Bars and so much more. Don't forget about those new delicious flavors. It's Thanksgiving here after it, and uh, we know what that means. Football. Nothing goes better with football after Thanksgiving than turkey and betting. BetOnline has you covered all holiday season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before for you. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website. It's time today to receive your 50% welcome bonus with the promo code LOCKEDON. And you'll receive that bonus. It's just not football. Bet online is pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, we're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving and beyond into the holiday season. All right. Time to uh, close the show and uh, look at four more games here from Sunday. We get in the late afternoon window. We go to Denver, where it was the Chargers losing badly to the Broncos here. Justin Herbert, a sloppy game, threw a pick six, had a couple interceptions, but still got to 300 yards passing. He was leading r- rusher on his team, as well as a couple scores there. Yeah, the touchdowns go to uh, Jared Cook and Austin Eckler. So another solid game from Eckler. Not a big yardage game, but Herbert and Eckler went off big time against the Steelers. They cooled off here on the road in Denver with the elements there. So Herbert's still pretty decent when you have 302. The two we could do without, but he did make up for some of it with uh, 36 yards rushing. So not a bad game at all. And fantasy for Justin Herbert, not a good reality game for Herbert overall with a chance to really beat down the Broncos. Austin Eckler scores. He has a Decent, but not anything to uh, write home about uh, scrimmage day. Keenan Allen was the leading receiver once again. Mike Williams cools off as a big play threat in this one. So we knew it was going to be a bit tough. The Broncos still playing for a lot, and the 
Chargers extracted as much points as they could here. Decent game for Allen. Nothing spectacular. He's a hard guy to get in the end zone. Herbert and Eckler come through again. Eckler in that RB1, RB2 borderline here instead of that uh, top two arm running back that he was last week. Herbert stays pretty steady with a lot of volatility elsewhere at quarterback. Now, for the Broncos, Javante Williams looked really good. He was the leading receiver in this game. He scored a touchdown there. He looked pretty good on the ground, complimenting Melvin Gordon, who's still not going anywhere, still their leading rusher here. But what's happened here is Teddy Bridgewater, he had to leave the game a little bit with a shin injury there, lower issue there with his leg. Drew Locke came in. It didn't really matter. Bridgewater, Locke. These wide receivers and tight ends have totally disappeared. So it doesn't matter if it's Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, no offense. Where were these guys? We didn't see it. The Broncos are content to be all about Gordon and Williams, grind it away, try to win. And unfortunately, they did win with defense in the running game. So they're going to stick with this formula. It's really frustrating that Bridgewater can't get his volume. This is where we kind of wanted Drew Locke a little bit more. Yeah, he makes mistakes, but he throws the ball downfield, spreads around a little bit more. Where the conservative game plan is just limiting any production beyond Williams and Gordon. That's what's happening in Denver. Let's go to the Rams, and we knew their wide receiver situation was going to change a little bit coming out of the bye. They could adjust a little bit better without Robert Woods. So what's happened? Cooper Cup getting a lot of attention still. So let's open up downfield games for Van Jefferson, who had a long touchdown score. Odell Beckham Jr. as really number three, a long touchdown and a score here. But Rams have become very highly pass-dependent, not just the regular passing game, deep passing game. So Matthew Stafford looking deep at the checkdowns. I mean, where's Daryl Henderson in the passing game? Well, he did score a touchdown here. But you know, Daryl Henderson uh, still not rushing for the yardage you expected. The Packers' run defense and their pass defense has actually been better than expected. But Stafford on tack with a 303 here in fantasy. Did throw another pick six, which uh, is not helpful. Gladly, we don't get minus six for that. Fantasy only minus two. So reality-wise, Matthew Stafford not playing well. But uh, that's happened before. Reality hasn't been good, but he can't put up the fantasy numbers opposite Aaron Rodgers, and he did so in this game. Now, Aaron Rodgers was pretty solid, considering he continues to play through the COVID toe injury, that fracture, he may need surgery, he may take a break here during the bye, we'll see. But now, considering that, he's been dealing here. Devontae Adams was the number one once again. This time, instead of Marcus Valdez-Scanling or Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb was the guy until he left the game late with a growing injury. But it's been the Devontae Adams show, getting these other guys involved in the past game, including Josiah Dogara out of tight end with no Robert Tunyon, has helped Adams, and they schemed him open. Again, no daunting situation against Jalen Ramsey. They moved Adams around, got the other guys open. Very vintage Aaron Rodgers type game, finding the best holes in the defense, exploiting them. That included the backs of the backfield, and it was A.J. Dillon. I know Aaron Jones was active for this game, but... They wanted to keep that one-two punch, and that was a bit confusing here that everyone assumed that Aaron Jones was going to get 25 touches in this game, that he was active, but they really liked the way Dylan compliments Jones. They've used him a lot, even when Jones has been healthy, so there was a reason to use Dylan a little bit more. He proved he's very good as a receiver when needed, especially in scoring position. He looked really good as a runner in this one, so very preferences performance there. So if you stuck with Dylan, you're rewarded as RB2 or flex because he really came through. Again, he looked a lot better this week with the receptions and running than he did last week. We expect Jones to be at full strength for the next game, but I think they just wanted him a little bit to keep the defense honest, give a little bit of change of pace, the speed, where Dylan's more about power, and I think it really worked for the Packers in that sense. But unfortunately, Jones led us into a false uh, trap there, If you, especially if you were a Dylan manager and you wanted to play him. So that's what you have to keep in mind. you got to 
get a read on how effective a guy's going to be and know that a team likes to use two running backs anyway. And I think had uh, Jones been a little healthier, he would have got the key touches, and Dylan would have been more of the complimentary role we've seen in the past as a second-year back. All right, let's go to the Vikings 49ers game. The Vikings look pretty good. Adam Thielen really came through once again. Justin Jefferson with the yardage. Thielen just keeps scoring, but the biggest concern here is Dalvin Cook. Another injury for him with the shoulder. They think it could be a torn labrum, which uh, pretty much would end the season here. So Alexander Madison came in, did score a touchdown there against the 49ers. So we'll have to watch Dalvin. He was carted off the field. Never a good sign. Never can feel good about him not missing action, but it looks like it's going to happen here. So Madison, once again, has some appeal filling in. We'll probably involve other guys here, but... He's going to be the guy going forward. This is a big blow to the Vikings' playoff chances because Cook sets everything up for the passing game downfield for Kirk Cousins with one Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Uh, they're one of the better deep-throwing teams because of the play action and all that with Kirk Cousins and the arm. So no Delvin could hurt some of the other aspects of this offense, but Madison really needs to come through and play well now if they lean on him a lot more here down the stretch. On the 49ers thing that... Side, they won the game. They look really good. Eli Mitchell dominating as an RB1 for this team. There's been no Jermichael Hasty. Trey Sermon got hurt in this game as well. The other rookie that once seemed to have this job. And you didn't see anything of Jeff Wilson Jr. So they trusted Eli Mitchell quite a bit. He came through, but so did Debo Samuel. He had two rushing touchdowns. So three rushing touchdowns for the 49ers. Highly unusual. Two from Samuel. Samuel's been used more as a hybrid player. He's been the quarter hell Patterson of the 49ers all of a sudden. So he's similar type of players, really, if you look at their skill sets and all that. So Samuel was hurt late, but his growing injury, perhaps if the game was feeling a little closer and it wasn't more of the defense to close the door, you might have seen Samuel back out there. But Brandon Ayuk loving this development because he's out there catching a lot of passes there as a primary receiver. Samuel's been used more as a hybrid. So nearly 100 yards receiving here for Ayuk. Only bad game came from George Kittle, and uh, just a lot, not a lot of Kittle there love, but... The 49ers were really running all over the Vikings. The Vikings' run defense has just gone kaput here. It's pretty awful. It's way down there now near the bottom of the league. So you can run on the Vikings pretty effectively. The 49ers did that completely here with Mitchell and Samuel. And uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, that hurt Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, George Kittle. Because we thought, again, there would be more to be had there. But look, it happens with Tom Brady. It happened with Jimmy Garoppolo, his former backup, that sometimes teams can score rushing touchdowns in bunches. And that's going to really hurt... The passing value, even when the guy's passing pretty well, if they're running too well and they're scoring too well on the ground, it's going to really cut into the quarterback's value, even in a shootout like this with Kirk Cousins on the other side. So disappointing there for sure for Garoppolo and Kittle, but everyone else that you played as the principals on the 49ers came through in fantasy football. Finally, the last game we'll talk about is Sunday night. This wasn't much to see there. The Browns and Ravens, what an ugly, ugly game. Jarvis Landry, however, fought through the ugliness to have the best game from scrimmage here with 100 yards so plus receiving in this one. But Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Hunt got hurt late in the game. They were shut down in the running game. Nothing to see with Austin Hooper or any of the other pass catchers here. Baker Mayfield struggled. On the other side, Lamar Jackson did get a touchdown in there to Mark Andrews, but it was a grind for Lamar, too, for him. Uh, they had three Justin Tucker field goals, so the only touchdown was to Andrews. It was a nice play, and they needed that touchdown to beat the Browns is the final 16-10, but when you look at this situation, yeah, Lamar just a little bit struggling. Maybe the illness threw him out, a little rest from last week, turned into rust here, not having played against the Bears in week 11, so 
Lamar has been pretty good, but he hasn't been all that great in the last three weeks for multiple reasons here. He's faced a few tougher defenses here. So, But Lamar, I think, can get back on track. He's still running very well. And, again, Marquise Brown just getting back to health here and uh, not being the same big play threat. Rashad Bateman running into a bit of a rookie wall with coverage. So a lot of things to watch out here with Lamar. But, uh, yeah, hopefully he can get better soon here for the Ravens and uh, get them on track here. Now, the running game, it's been Devonta Freeman. They've just gone in that direction. They moved on from Le'Veon Bell. Latavius Murray came back, but they stuck with Devonta Freeman as the main running back there. So if he's a guy that you're looking at, at RB2 for the rest of the season, if he's healthy, he's going to be that guy because he's been very effective here for the Ravens in key situations. Thanks for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Don't forget, tomorrow will be Pickup Tuesday where we turn our attention to the waiver wire ahead of uh, the games of Week 13. Now make your second listen to Lockdown Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets, hosted by your boy Q, the expert analysis inside from Lee Sterling. It's free and available, just like this show, to you on all platforms. For Lockdown Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer for a Roundup Monday. Thanks a lot. Good luck if you've got someone going to the Seahawks-Washington game, and we'll catch you tomorrow to help you build your team on waivers.